This is the Woodland Hills Family Church Podcast. Our desire is to inspire you and your family to become fully devoted followers of Christ. Now enjoy today's message with Ted Cunningham. Joining us in the middle of this series, we're talking about resilience and what it means to withstand or bounce back from difficult conversations, difficult circumstances, how to bounce back from insults. And today, uh, we're going to take it another step, but I have to ask, how many of you did the homework from last week? Could I just see? That encourages me. Do for one or a few what you wish you could do for all. But uh, the students are like, I don't need homework from church, uh, Ted. So I think we all go, when we think about throwing in the towel, I mean, if you like this movie series, who, who loves the Rocky movie series? Can I just see? Who's never even heard of the Rocky movie series? I know there's a, thank you, there's a few hands up. But we go to Rocky Four when Rocky uh, is about to throw in the towel and people are screaming at him to throw in the towel and Rocky has to live with the guilt, would Apollo still be alive had I thrown in the towel? And I, when I think about this term, like, I, like rolling with the punches or sparring a few rounds, uh, every week I meet people who are ready to throw in the towel. Like I've dealt with this long enough. I shouldn't have to put up with this anymore. It's time for my mental and emotional health to take a a break and to get a rest, so I'm just going to quit and be done. And remember, I think up to this point, we've said clearly that there are good reasons to quit a job, maybe to walk away from a friendship or to leave a church, but we're talking about those trivial reasons that often we give to quit and to be done. And so today, as we talk about withstanding and bouncing back, We want to make sure it's not just about you. It's not just about me. Yes, I may need to take a break or press pause for a little bit. And yes, your mental and emotional health is important. But ultimately, it's not important just for you. It's for God and others. And so the ultimate lesson we're taking today as we talk about refusing to throw in the towel, the ultimate lesson in resilience for us today and in this series is bouncing back to glorify God and serve others. If you bounce back, if you go through a difficult circumstance or situation and it's all about you and it's just about you getting cared for at the end of it, you've missed the whole point. If it's just about me, I have failed the test. And I want to be one of resilience who can go through the difficult, hard, painful, trying seasons of life. I want to be one who can handle suffering knowing that we've never been promised a life free of suffering, follower of Jesus. You will suffer. And I want you to see today as travel companions is your Christian faith and suffering. And maybe not why you came to church today. You want a way out of suffering. You're done with suffering. You don't want any more difficult situations. Here's the good news. You will only have to suffer in this life. That's it. You know what we're promised? It won't go with you into eternity. It won't. So you can stand on that truth. Don't stand on the truth as I see all the time online. I don't know how much whining you see online. I see a lot of whining online. And then I see other believers come online to try to comfort and do a terrible job comforting because what do they start saying? No one should have to go through this. Where are you getting that? I'm sorry you're going through this. That's okay to tell somebody I'm sorry you're going through this. How can I help? That's a good thing to say. But to give this false hope or false promise that God never wants you to go through this. When you come to Christ, everything is going to be sunshine and rose petals. And some of you are like, I had a friend invite me here today for the first time, and this isn't at all what they told me it would be like. (laughs) 
I was told push-ups out in the uh, courtyard after the service. And you'll get your push-ups, and I want everybody to enjoy a push-up. And by those who don't know what I mean by push-up, it's that toilet paper roll holer with sherbet in it. (laughs) They're out in the courtyard waiting for you as we talk about moving up. But we want to pass this test. We want to, at the end of our life, be able to say, I stood. I was able to stand. And when I did get knocked down, I bounced back. And I bounce back stronger, what? To glorify God and to help others. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, he says, for Christ's sake, I delight. Remember, Scripture used synonymously the words delight, contentment, joy and happiness. I find joy. I get happy. I am content in weaknesses, as we looked at the first week, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. If you grew up singing the hymns, and I'm sure everyone, if you, I don't think you can call yourself an American without knowing this hymn, but we've all sang it. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. T'was grace that brought me thus far, safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. How long do I have to keep this resilience up until the Lord returns or calls you home? And his grace will sustain you. So today, as we talk about truth, as we talk about grace We're reminded of this in Acts 13 and 14 as we jump into this great text, that God has always grown the church on the backs of suffering believers and leaders. He's always grown the church on suffering believers. And I hope this church is always known for a church that speaks truth clearly and boldly. I hope we're always known as a church that stands on the word of God and we're not ashamed of it. We don't back away from it. And again, follower of Jesus, the culture as it drifts away, as it gets more and more, I can't think of a better term than kooky, uh, we shouldn't be shocked. It's going to continue to go that way. Some of you are wanting it to get better. I don't think it's going to. But what I do know is the truth doesn't change. So we stand on the one who delivers this promise to us and know that he will be with us through all suffering. My son, we dropped him off at Liberty University this week for college, and I wrote a letter, and I, I, it's just one page, and I got this idea from one of the deans at Liberty said, my dad dropped me off at college, you know, 30 years ago, and he had a prayer written out because he knew he'd get choked up, and he pulled that prayer out, and he was a Baptist preacher, my dad was, he said, and it was three points all alliterated in his prayer, and he said, my dad read the first one, got the clamp, couldn't finish the prayer, handed it to me, and asked me to get out of the car and read it on my own. And there's some parents in here right now that probably dropped somebody off this week, and maybe you're experiencing that like I'm experiencing that. But I just, I wrote in the letter, I said, Carson, you're at a school that's very diverse. It's, it's diverse ethnically, it's diverse uh, denominationally, and there's a lot of different thoughts and opinions that you're going to bump up against. But I just said, your mom and I always wanted you to leave our home with Jesus as your source of life and scripture driving the bus, period. You're going to come up against some denominational cliches in your classes. Just roll with it. Right? You're going to have some people that get passionate about non-essentials. No matter what happens, keep Jesus as the source of your life and Scripture in the driver's seat. And may that be true of each one of us here. 
that no matter where culture goes, no matter how far it strays and drifts, we shouldn't be sitting there going, I can't believe it, I can't believe it, I can't believe it. We continue to say, we will stand on truth and we will speak it clearly and we will speak it boldly. And that will bring with it suffering. That will get people coming at you uh, from all over the place. And you'll want to say, I can't take it, I can't take it. And, and if you're not careful, you'll back away from truth. If you're not careful, you'll back down. You'll get knocked down by somebody who posts some mean insult to you on the line. It's time to get up and keep proclaiming the truth. Now, in the debrief today, somebody asked me that I should probably warn those of you who are passionate about the message up to this point, don't be a jerk. Right? That's not what we bounce back to. We bounce back to bring glory to God and to serve others and to speak the truth and to know our convictions. And the church has always been grown, as we're going to see today. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Acts 13. And Chuck Swindoll, in his book on Paul, it's his biography on Paul, and he traces through all of Acts in this great book. He gives one of the best definitions of resilience that I've seen up to this point in our study. He says, a ministry that lasts, and I would also say a follower of Jesus, a Christian that lasts, is one that relentlessly perseveres through periods of enormous persecution. What a great definition of resilience for us. One who will not back down, will not stop. When knocked down, will get back up and continue to preach and proclaim. And you know what you're going to see today in these two chapters, Acts 13 and 14? They taught about Jesus. They preached the word. They met in the synagogues. They never stopped. And the more hits they took, the more they kept going. And the more people came to know Christ. And that's why we don't back down. So let's jump into Acts 13. Verses 1 through 3, right at the beginning. Now in the church at Antioch, and you're going to see two Antiochs on that map. We're going to look at that map in just a moment. There were prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaen, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul, who is Paul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. And we see the beginning of the journey, and you'll see on the map in just a moment, on to Cyprus. The two of them, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. And this is key to begin with. John was with them as their helper. So just imagine someone alongside them to encourage them on the journey, to carry luggage on the journey. We all love a helper on the journey. I'm sure you're getting back from summer vacations and your small children were of great help carrying the luggage through airports and through theme parks. But we always like to have that helper, especially on a long, treacherous journey, which is what they set out on. And last week, I encourage you, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand for I don't feel I can make it through the results, Uh, but I ask you to download this map. Some of you did. I've got some texts from, I know two people in our church downloaded the map and read through Acts 13 and 14, so I did for two what we can't do for all. But in Antioch, they are sent, and they go through, and John is with them. And this is important because this picks up where we uh, spent time last week at the end of Acts 15 when Paul and Barnabas decide to go on a journey, but then they get into conflict over whether or not to take John Mark. And they have a sharp disagreement, the scripture says. But they begin here on Cyprus, and they journey, and John Mark is with them. And here's what we read uh, in continuing in, in this passage in Pisidian Antioch. From Paphos, Paul and his companions sailed to Perga in Pamphylia, 
where John left them to return to Jerusalem. Here's one of the first observations we want to see today. Not everyone who starts with you on your journey of faith will end that journey with you. Not everyone who's been of great encouragement to you in the past will be there for you at all times. I think everyone in here, if you've walked with the Lord for any length of time, you, you've, had, you've felt some betrayal. You've felt some hurt from someone who walked away from you. And, and here's where it's really hard. It might have been someone who led you to Christ, who is no longer there with you. That's the first thing. And I, I want you to see, if you go back to that map for just a second, Katie, I want, I want us all to make some observations on the map that... If, from last week and now into this week, Paul and Barnabas were both committed believers in Christ Jesus. Paul and Barnabas were both mature believers. As we read in the Jerusalem Council's letter last week, they both uh, shared the same message, right? At the Jerusalem Council, they were settling the debate over whether or not a Gentile needed to be circumcised. And there, Paul and Barnabas shared the same message, and it is solid. It is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, period. That is where salvation comes from. So they shared the same message. That The letter said that they, they risked their lives together. So there was a bond between Paul and Barnabas. But what I want you to see today and what this map, and we're going to read through this journey, I want you to see as they journey north, the hardship and the persecution gets intense. Another observation we need to make. Sometimes we think the longer I go in the faith, the easier it will get. Don't buy that line from a preacher. Because some of you have walked with the Lord for a long time, and, and the, the obstacles and the pressure and the hardships and the suffering and the trial, it's never let up. It's been a challenge. And I imagine it could let up, and one way it can let up is for you to walk away and not do what you're called to do. But we're talking about following Christ and sharing the message and standing on truth. Going back to the text in Acts 13... We read, from Paphos, Paul and his companions sailed to Perga and Pamphylia, where John left them to return to Jerusalem. From Perga, they went on to Pisidian Antioch. On the Sabbath, they entered the synagogue and sat down. We obviously can't read it today, but he preaches a message. He shares the gospel. He shares the good news of Jesus. And what we read in verse 44, that they were invited back. And on the next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. I think this is important. I have a friend today at a much larger church north of here is doing an entire series on the megachurch. And the reason he's doing the series on the megachurch is because he said, you know, Barna's research shows that only 16% of Americans trust big churches. And we live in a season where trust in leaders is at an all-time low, and that's why our call to live above reproach needs to be at an all-time high. But he said, we're addressing this because sometimes people see a big church and they just automatically think bad, or they think it's just a show. But another observation from our text today is when you preach the gospel and when you stand on truth, right, people want to hear it. People are starving for truth. And in this case, you can say it became a megachurch, but I mean, a megachurch gathering, the whole city gathered to hear. They wanted to hear and people are like, I'm not here today to hear. I'm here for the push-up. I don't believe that. I really don't. And this is why I know, it goes on to say, when the Jews saw the crowds, these crowds were larger than theirs. And what does it say? They were filled with jealousy. Do you see that today in the church? We see it all the time. That's why you'll hear accusations come at people. Well, that church is just all about the push-ups and the, the 
fun and all of that in the courtyard. I'm like, no, what happens in the courtyard today is what we call fellowship. Right? We eat together with glad and sincere hearts. We enjoy one another. And we can enjoy one another in the Lord. I need some of you to brace for impact because we got another Super Bowl coming up. And I know some of you are fired up when we do fun things around the Super Bowl. That's why we're no longer calling this a service. We're calling it a gathering. You know why? Because when we gather, we fulfill all five purposes of the church. Worship. So if you thought you came to a worship service, that's part of it, but it's not the only thing we do when believers gather. We fellowship. We enjoy the company of one another, and that's why it's okay to play a game with one another. Discipleship. Becoming more like Jesus. That's a part. That's a purpose of our gathering right? Ministry. We serve needs. There are people that walk in here today with real needs. We hope that this church is meeting the needs. You just gave it an offering to meet the needs. And guess what? Benevolence will go out today. Evangelism. We hope people come to know the Lord today. We just had a baptismal service. We're a baptismal gathering. We're, that's, we're trying to use that language because some people walk into a service and think this is exactly what's supposed to happen, these two things. There's a lot more going on than you think. And there's a lot more that's supposed to happen in the purposes of the church when you and I gather. And it is okay that when we are practicing and be, trying to be healthy with the five purposes of the church, that the church grows. But guess what? We're still going to take the hits. And some of you I know take the hits from family and friends, right? They're, they saw the crowd, they were jealous. So they began to contradict what Paul was saying and heaped abuse on him. Here it comes. We're going to take you out. Verse 49, the word of the Lord spread through the whole region, through teaching, through preaching, and through suffering. But the Jewish leaders incited the God-fearing women on high standing and the leading men of the city. They stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their region. So they've been deserted by John Mark. They've been kicked out. Have you ever been kicked out of some place? We won't get into all that right now. We don't have time. <laughs> Verse 51, so they shook the dust off their feet as a warning to them and went to Iconium. And the disciples, look at this, this is resilience. In all of that, abuse, persecution, desertion, the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Wait a second, so I can suffer and be filled with joy? Absolutely, with Jesus as your source and scripture driving the bus. Proclaiming the truth. So let's move on to Iconium because it's gonna get a whole lot worse. We're here to encourage you on your journey today. Whatever you're going through, it could be a lot worse and it probably will be. There was a plot afoot among both Gentiles and Jews together with their leaders, here it is again, to mistreat them and stone them. But they found out about it and fled to the Lyconian cities of Lystra and Derbe. I think this is important. We say it all the time around here. You don't have to show up to every fight you're invited to. We, we have a clear example here of understanding harm is coming to you and I can get out of harm's way. This is why, I don't know if you see it all the time, the people that just demand answers out of you. Do you know anybody like that? Like, like a, a social issue comes up. And that's some of you in this church too as well. Some social issue will hit this week and they're like, Ted, I demand you speak to it. Nah. <laughs> nah. I don't have to address that right now. Let's just keep preaching Jesus. And there are times we do have to really get into it. But we don't have to let the agenda of the church be directed by the news cycle. It just doesn't need to happen. I've gotten caught up in that in years past and it hasn't benefited us or led us to being a healthy church. But when Jesus is at the center of it all, that's, it's interesting. That's where we see health. That's where we see growth. And so they, the, this plot to take place, and so they're like, okay, they found out about it and fled. Walking away is not always a bad thing. To the Lyconian cities of Lystra and Derby and to the surrounding country, what did they do? 
they stopped. No, where they continued to preach the gospel. Now, when we get to Lystra, whew, things get really bad, but it, there's two parts here to this story. And I want to spend a little more time here in Lystra. In Lystra, there sat a man who was lame. He had been that way from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul and he, as he was speaking. Paul looked directly at him, saw that he had the faith to be healed, and called out, stand up on your feet. At that, the man jumped up and began to walk. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in the Lyconian language. Listen to this. The gods have come down in human form. Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul they called Hermes because he was the chief speaker. Oh, it gets worse. Watch. The priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought bulls and wreaths to the city gates because he and the crowd wanted to offer sacrifices to them. So what you get in the course of just a short period of time, and have you ever heard the expression, the honeymoon is over? Anybody ever heard that expression? Yeah, a friend of yours can take a job, and they love it for a week or two, and then it gets bad. And what do we say to them? Honeymoon's over, right? You just got another 50 years of agony ahead of you after that, but I hope you enjoyed the honeymoon. That's what we say. That's what we mean when we say that. And here, they're being treated and put us to, placed on a pedestal like, like God's. And Paul and Barnabas, what do they say? Whoa, 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 none of this, uh-uh. No, 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 you're missing it. They have to get back to preaching, declaring the gospel. And here's what's interesting. As soon as the honeymoon is over, the rocks begin to fly. And if you're a leader in here, you get this. You can be praised one minute and cursed the next. You can be applauded one minute and shot down the next. You can be placed on that pedestal, and then the same person who did it can kick, kick it out from underneath you. That's what happens. Chuck Swindoll puts it this way. One moment you're taking a bow, and the next you're ducking. You're dodging the tomatoes, or worse, stones, period. Once the honeymoon is over, the rocks begin to fly. And that's what we see as we continue in this story. Then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, so they come from the north, won the crowd over. They stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city, thinking he was dead. But after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up and went back into the city. Again, I talked about this last week. Not what I would do. If, I, if you were to stone me today and drag me to Nixa, I'm moving on to Springfield. I've made the decision. I will ask John Lindell for a job in a heartbeat and say goodbye. I shake the dust off my boots and I would move on. What does he do? What does he do? He goes back into the city. Apart from Christ on the cross, can you think of another example of resilience? Now, they, they, they weren't successful yesterday. Let's see what they got today. And I, get, I bet you anything, they still had plenty of stones gathered around. The next day, he and Barnabas left for Derby. They preached the gospel in that city and won a large number, number of disciples and now here, this, if you just read through, this is why daily reading plans can be great, but also a challenge for us, because sometimes we're just plowing through the scripture. This is so important and a great example for us of resilience in the text. They preached the gospel in that city, won a large number of disciples. What do they do after that? Well, let's go back to Antioch and tell the church that sent us everything that happened. Nope. Then they returned to Lystra. We just read what happened. They returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch. Some of the greatest persecution they've ever faced. Hey, let's go back and strengthen the brothers there. Let's go back. This, this, I hope you see this. First trip, then after he's beaten and left for dead. Second trip, now let's do a third trip. That ain't the end of it. And I'm just saying, I think they've heard the message. Let's trust them to get it spread around a little bit. 
Let's keep going. Strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. Boy, I hope you hear that today. Now, this isn't saying in order to be saved, you need to go through hardships. What it's saying is until the kingdom of God is established here, physical, literal, until Christ is revealed, until the Lord returns or calls you home, you will face suffering for the truth. You will face suffering. And the call today is for you to join in that suffering. The call for you today is to be resilient in that suffering and in that difficulty and not back down. If you do get knocked down, you get back up. And not just get back up to keep going. You get back up to go back. To go back to what knocked me down. If you go to this map one more time, I've added some red. So we just see, started to went through Cyprus. They were deserted, abuse, persecution, plot to mistreat and stone them, flee, come down stoned and left for dead. And you see how this goes back this way? I just want to point something out. Does anybody see this journey from Derby to Antioch right there? Like, let's, I will swim from here to here to get back to the church I know that loves me and sent me. But what do they say? No, let's go back to all of those places where we were extremely persecuted. And not only that, we need to set up some elders. They, they need some leaders in those churches to help guide them and direct them through this time. That is called resilience. And to take you back to the passage, and this will be the last verse in this text today, now go back to Acts 15, 36, where we read, Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, this is after the Jerusalem council, let us go back and visit the believers in all those towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. In the top of your Bible, it may read in a paragraph heading, Paul and Barnabas, sharp disagreement. So I was always taught that if you really want to understand the Bible, you have to put yourself into every story. And this week I did. And maybe some of you are like, today feels a little bit different. I had a 14-hour road trip to Liberty this week with a radio that didn't work. So that's why you're getting everything that you're getting. I mean, I just, this message was preached. And so what I want you to do this week after all that we just looked at and all we just studied and going through the map, I want you to put Paul, Barnabas, and then write your name. Put yourself in this story, Sharp Disagreement. Because I put myself in it, so Paul says to them, let's go back and visit. There's not a, a doubt in the mind of Barnabas. He doesn't have a moment where he's like, no, let's not do that. They get into, I would just sit there for a moment and listen to Paul and Barnabas disagree over whether or not to take John Mark. I couldn't care less about John Mark, whether he goes with them or not. After they get done in their dispute, I think I would be, I just want to bring up just real quick, we were abused, mistreated, uh, Paul, you were stoned and left for dead. And, and guess what? I think they're going to be more mad the next go-round. You're, you're, you're actually proposing a fourth time going back to some of these cities, walking back into these cities. My suggestion is we don't go. That's what, if, if you're being honest. Like, but isn't that how we all live our lives today? That's just too hard. It's too difficult. I see, see it all the time. Like, this is the amount of whining online. I don't know if it wears you out, but it absolutely exhausts me. I can't believe. Listen, I can encourage you and get you back to a place of mental, emotional health for the purpose of glorifying God and serving others, not yourself. And the reason you think so much about yourself and you spend so much time on yourself gets you into all that mess in the first place. You want the antidote to selfishness? You want the antidote to constantly being focused on it? Just start serving other people and helping other people. Join them in their journey. 
Chuck Swindoll, in his book on Paul, says this, over the years, I've observed that people who know who they are, who possess a clear sense of their mission, and who understand God's plan and purpose for their lives are people who experience genuine fulfillment. That doesn't mean they don't face extreme obstacles. Of course you will. Of course we will. Rather, it means they have learned to face those challenges in ways that transform obstacles into opportunities for the gospel. Rather than stumbling over them, they press on through them. And that is our prayer for you. In just a few moments remaining, and when I say a few moments, I mean six minutes and 37 seconds. <laughs> Can anybody see that clock back there? I'm just making sure. Do you all see that big old clock back there? Just, I don't know how old they think I am, but that clock is five feet long. Uh, <laughs> I go to most churches and you got this little thing back there on the sound booth, not ours back there. It's the large print edition. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about a reliable game plan for resilience. Let's talk about what to do when you suffer for the sake of Christ. And I hope you understand that in the context of the text today. We're not talking about relationships where a spouse or a child is ex experiencing abuse or violence. You know we're not talking about that, but it's almost like today that qualifier needs to put out, be put out in every message. We're talking about when you take a stand for Christ and you give your life to Christ, and it is all about Christ and bringing glory to God and serving others, there will be hardships, you will suffer, and I don't see it stopping anytime soon. But I do know, I do know what I have been promised. So let's look at that reliable game plan to encourage you. Number one, we looked at this the first week, consider the sufferings of Christ, and we want to add to it today. Hebrews 12, 3, consider him who endured such opposition from sinners. So Paul and Barnabas, they're not the first to experience this opposition so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And remember when you get to verse 4, it says what? I don't know what you're going through, but just be reminded, you have not shed blood yet for it. In 1 Peter we read, don't just consider the sufferings of Christ, join in. Like, like make up your mind to join in the sufferings, but rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be, here it is again, overjoyed, filled with hope and joy and delight and contentment when his glory is revealed. If you view life as a marathon, I just go, the day when we are face to face with Christ, I just, I just picture myself taking this big exhale. And that's why Paul says what? I've run the race. I've run it. And your race doesn't end until the Lord returns or calls you home. So consider the sufferings of Christ. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you've entered into that. Consider it, enter into it, and be overjoyed. Number two, comfort others with the lessons you've learned. Don't just make the comfort you've received from God about you, about your health and wellness. Get healthy, get whole, be well, but for the purpose of glorifying God in your body and in your life and to serve others. He says, praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any troubles with the comfort we ourselves received from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. That you're promised. That you can, you can be guaranteed of today. That the suffering will not end and the suffering is actually going to go on to bring greater glory to God. And I just, I just want us, Travis calls this series, Travis Bronner on our teaching team and an elder at our church believes that this series just is a galvanizing series for our church. Like an opportunity, like who are the ones that are ready to go? 
and stick it out and bounce back for the purpose of Christ. So comfort others with the lessons you've learned. Uh, dropping my son off this week, you imagine it's been emotional. And, uh, and uh, I've, I've learned as a dad, or my kids have reminded me as a dad, uh, to not turn every moment into a teachable moment. <laughs> Those are all the kids going, could you say that one more time, Ted, just one more time? You don't need to turn every moment with your children into a teachable moment. Sometimes you can just be with your kids. And I was nostalgic. Amy and I met at Liberty. Now we're dropping our son off at Liberty. I had a book of lessons I wanted to give him in our last week together there. And I just held it back. And then as the homesickness kind of sat in for both of us and saying goodbye, I've made fun of parents for years with this, telling them to suck it up. <laughs> uh, My son doesn't usually ask me for these life lessons like this. My daughter does, but my son doesn't. My dad goes, Dad, can you tell me of a time you felt like this? And that, that was my opportunity to those, like, 30 lessons I had banked that I was like, okay, I'm going to share them all right now real quick. And no, nope, you got to keep one lesson. So I just kept it. I go, I got dropped off at college once in Chattanooga, Tennessee, across the street from a drug house. And first lesson we got in the dorm was all the streets we weren't allowed to walk down. I go, it was pretty rough. It was pretty rough. And uh, a lot of times I take people back there and, and they see it and they go, I can't believe your parents let you stay here. I go, so I get, I was able to go through all of the emotions. And I think sometimes we feel like we need to give people a lesson when they ask for it even. And I just, I look around at all the blossoming almond trees in this room. You're the gray hair in the room. Again, I say it, you're probably in the most influential season of your life. You have so much to offer to people who are going through difficult times and hardships. And I don't want to come down on you, but I do want to say, don't waste, don't waste the rest of your life, whatever days or years you have remaining. Some of you are in the first quarter of your life. You're in your 20s and 30s. Some of you are in the second quarter, maybe your 40s and 50s. Some are in the third quarter in your 50s and 60s. Some are in the fourth quarter, your 70s and 80s. A lot of people in here in overtime. <laughs> and I... I want you to use the seconds... You have left on the clock to comfort others. Don't waste it. Encourage somebody this week. Don't, don't join in on the whining. Don't offer false hope. Don't tell them something the Bible never promises. Stop making up your coffee cup bumper sticker Christianity promises. It's nonsense, utter nonsense. Go with the truth of God's word, period. And encourage them. And the last one is this. Call on others for prayer support. There's plenty you and I can do to encourage one another, and it starts with prayer. 2 Corinthians 1, 10 through 11. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. Our resilience is found in him, period. As you help us by your prayers, then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in the answer to the prayers of many. Someone this week needs your prayer. They're going through a difficult season. Don't give them false hope or lies that you found online. They don't need meme theology. They need the book's theology. They need the book's teaching. Give them the truth and encourage them and pray for them. As I walked through the School of Business at Liberty, and I heard this all the time in the 90s, and it is now up on the wall, painted in big letters, and I love that it's in the School of Business and Government. It's something we heard from Dr. Falwell as students at Liberty all the time, and it's simply this. Nothing of eternal significance ever happens apart from prayer. And this week, I want my life 
to be about bringing glory to God and serving others, and I hope you join me in that. Father, thank you for our time. Thank you for what you continue to do through our church and in our community. Persecution, suffering, hardships, trials, all of it uh, can knock a person down. And for the one who has placed faith in Jesus, I pray that today is a day that they commit to the resilience and the stepping up in their faith, trusting in you, leaning on the brothers and sisters in Christ here in this community, around the world, that we would encourage one another in the faith. For the one who's never placed faith in Jesus, that today would be the day they see that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. We pray this in the authority of the name of Jesus. And everyone agreed and said...